Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice with your host, Marina. Hello and welcome back to Vice and Easy. Thank you as always for liking, for subscribing, for telling your friends. This week, we actually have a really good episode, one that I really enjoyed and I really enjoyed rewatching and I really enjoyed all the nuances and all of that. We got really big guest stars, baby-faced Viggo Mortensen, Lou Diamond Phillips, and Annette Benning. Let's get into it. Now, this week, I'm going to use a synopsis from Miami Vice Wikia. The IMDb is a little long-winded in its summary. All right, so this week, episode 19 of season three, Red Tape. Tubbs goes to extreme lengths to root at the source of a leak in the department. This, we'll elaborate on this a little bit more. That's like a very concise way of saying it, but this, buckle in. This is a good one. Crockett and Tubbs are supposedly... Because sun is bright out, they're supposedly meeting up with two rookies at 6 a.m. for a search warrant. Basically, these guys don't have their gold sergeant badges yet, so they're in Crockett and Tubbs' jurisdiction, so they got to get them to tag along with it. Now, Tubbs, remember two episodes ago, went on vacation with Michelle. Now he's talking about Camille. Y'all move pretty fast. <laughs> Right? Like taking a vacation with someone is a pretty serious step in the relationship. That's just like not someone you like have a couple dates with and go on a relationship with. So I was like, wow, okay, like what happened to her? She was beautiful. Keep her as a serious regular. Now, this is where we see babyface Lou Diamond Phillips. And we also see Vigo Mortensen. It's just really hard to see. And his lines aren't as pronounced as Lou Diamond Phillips. And he's also on the other side while they're walking. So it's hard to see him. But he's there. He's there. Now, let's get into making fun of the old guard and the new guard. Well, I gotta tell you, they must be changing the standards for gold shields around here. They're giving them to guys that bust guys for stealing uh, ghetto blasters. Ghetto blasters. <laughs> that is such boomer terminology. Let's continue. Yeah, items described as three portable stereos, commonly known as ghetto blasters, valued at 600 bucks. Gentlemen, this is embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, well, this may look like a nickel and dime bust on paper, but our street sources say that the parole slip and sucker in that apartment witnessed the Dela Cruz shooting. Now, we think you can pin some heavy characters. That's funny that that was the most that they had on these guys were counterfeit or electronic. <laughs> Now, Crockett and Tubbs flip a coin to see who will go upstairs with the rookies, with Bobby and with Eddie. Tubbs gets the wrong side of the coin, so he goes upstairs as Crockett keeps watch outside at the ground floor of the hotel as they go upstairs. Now, it's not the nicest hotel, a little bit run down, but it does have that like beautiful open-air foyer that I really like. Now, as they make their way upstairs... They bang on the door, announce themselves, don't hear anything. As Eddie Vigo Mortensen body checks the door to gain entry, an explosive goes off and explodes. Eddie is thrown back with debris cutting his face all over. Tubbs yells at Bobby to go get help while he holds Eddie and Tubbs is really distraught. Now, after the cold open, Crockett's voiceover is talking about the incident, and he ends up talking to Castillo and a special investigator on the scene. Lou Diamond Phillips is taken to the hospital, and the investigator will talk to him later. Now, Tubbs is 
rightly pissed because it turns out this is not becoming a coincidence. It's becoming a pattern. It's all on the floor, man. Just like that Broward cop that walked into a room full of ether 10 days ago. Come on, pal. Take it easy. Easy? Just like that Broward cop? How about the cop in Hialeah? Or the cops in Coconut Grove that ended up serving search warrants on empty warehouses? Let's talk about what happened here. Because officially, they are still listed as three separate incidents on three unrelated occasions. Yeah, different cases, different suspects with the same result. They all knew that the cops were coming. And that's one of the possibilities that I'm here to investigate. Let me lay a flash on you. Somebody is leaking information on our search warrants. Let's take this someplace else. Come on. Yeah. So Tubbs is rightfully pissed. He knows this is a pattern and he knows that this is something that is putting all of their lives in jeopardy and they're not taken seriously. They're deciding to investigate as three separate incidents, even though, like Tubbs said, the result is the same. And it's this time at the scene that Special Agent McIntyre comes on to the scene. Now Tubbs gets to talk a little bit more and get not great news from another special agent who basically says that their hands are tied. All warrants, except the sealed warrants that come out of the grand jury, are processed through the computer. So anyone who has access to a Justice Department terminal, from a janitor to a judge, can access that information. Yeah, well then you better get to work, man. 1,200 people work in the Justice Building. Yeah, Tubbs is completely right. You should be looking for a way to reduce the leaks who should be limited access if all these people can access search warrants and someone is feeding that information to criminals resulting in deaths that should be something that should have been looked into the first time this happened so now that it's three i don't blame tubs for being rightfully pissed and he has this great line that i did not clip i'm so sorry where he's talking about how this would never happen in New York and how it would never have gone this far. And he says, quote, I'd rather be playing the lottery in New York than Russian roulette in Miami. I quit. And then at that time, Metro comes by to let them know that Eddie has died. He did not survive surgery. Tubbs, understandably, is pissed. He is at the end of his rope. Now, he wants the money from the credit union. So he goes down to the credit union with blood from Eddie still on his shirt and he is not happy that the cashier will not let him access his money because he has a loan out. He has to speak with a loan officer before he can take the money out, which actually that does sound 100% right. I don't blame her for that at all. You can't just, if you have an agreement for a loan and it's not all paid back, you can't just take it all. And I understand that he wants the money that's owed to him that was going to come through pensions or what have you. But he goes, He's definitely unhinged. And to be fair, I would have called security the first time that a guy with a bloody shirt came in demanding his money. (laughs) I don't know why she let it get this far. And I cannot pinpoint this actress. She looks very familiar and she's giving off big, there's nothing here for you, please leave, snobby saleswoman number two in Pretty Woman vibes. Which I wouldn't have to grow old telling you if you'd read the forms posted in the display case. 
dig, I am leaving this job, I am leaving this town, and I don't have time for standard procedure. And I don't have time for your life story. Read the procedure. Next. Okay, so the display case is there just purely for plot development, which we'll get to in exactly one minute. So looking at the picture I took of this display case, I don't see any procedures. I understand that I can't zoom in all the way. They look like checks and forms, not forms. They look like checks and certificates. There's goldenrod, there's pink, there's white. They look like receipts. And then there's an ad with a guy who's handcuffed and blindfolded. And the copy says, ask him why there is so much crime in Dade County. This is before Tubbs picks up the stool and smashes the display case. And he is getting his point across. When you're waiting for that direct deposit to hit, man, I know the feeling. <laughs> also, I think I was playing these clips last week, but like, I always just love a Tubbs yelling scene. I know we all look alike to you, Southern Crackers. Damn it, Alicia! For God's sake, why don't you open up your mind and your eyes? <laughs> this is like my version of ASMR. <laughs> I think because I know that he's very introspective and quiet. Like, I don't feel an air of violence when he's yelling. It's just kind of like sassy. So I think that's what I really enjoy. <laughs> just like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I could just like, especially, you know, when you're in the car with your significant other and they're driving and you're just, you know, being a little passenger prince or princess and you're supposed to be directing them and they miss their exit. And then it's like, oh, that would actually be exactly how Tubbs would be feeling. <laughs> God's sake, why don't you open up your mind and your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can just play these all day. Let's get back to the story. So while Tubbs is pissed off, but he's directing his anger at the wrong people. Let me just say that. Well, let's check in. So Bobby, Lou Demon Phillips, is at the hospital. Eddie has passed away. Castillo is there to comfort and console him. And again, this is very interesting because Stand to Deliver was also Lou Diamond Phillips and... Edward James Olmos in kind of a similar mentor-mentee relationship. But it's actually quite a nice message and a sentiment that Castillo is expressing to Bobby, who's also rightfully pissed and similar to Tubbs, is possibly going to direct that in a way that could hurt his future. You made reputations to be proud of. The best you can do for him is to maintain yours. Gotta find who did this to him. Let us take care of that. I think that's such a beautiful thing to say to someone in your field. You made reputations to be proud of. I really like that. Again, Castillo is a man of very few words, opposite of me, but like he chooses them very, very well. Now, another guest star is about to pop up. Why? It is baby-faced Annette Benning. She is sitting in a beautiful office, by the way, with indoor plants, long, high, tall, high windows, a little succulent pot. She's wearing green, looking like a million bucks. And she gets a call from the special investigations agent McIntyre that was on the scene. He asked her to look up Ricardo Tubbs. She recognized that name, but not in the same way, because she knows that he just got booked and picked up by Metro 
at the credit union. So very interesting. So we now know where the leak is coming from because then we get to the cover of this episode where she's putting in his name to access his file in this system. Now, Tubbs is currently arrested. (laughs) Took three officers to take him in. Castillo gets the call outside of the hospital. So we have a lot going on in these next few scenes. Now, Castillo doesn't actually go to see him directly. He sends Crockett over to talk to Tubbs. And it doesn't seem like Crockett is making any leeway with trying to change Tubbs's mind. If the department doesn't give me what they owe me, if they don't cough it up, I'll get it off the street. Let me tell you something, pal. You start dealing with loan sharks and Castillo will do more than suspend you. Who's Castillo? Stone cold. This is a very different side of Tubbs. And I do kind of appreciate the grittier side of Tubbs that we get to see because I like that he's such a gentleman. He's so charming and classic. And then he is stone cold straight to business. I see definitely some Scorpio placements. I could definitely see a Scorpio moon with him. (laughs) I have one too. (laughs) Now, Tubbs goes back to OCB at night, runs into Switek. Switek wants to check in on him, see what's going on. Tubbs responds thusly. What are you doing? You're a trained observer, right? What's that supposed to mean? Why don't you just take care of the six inches in front of your own nose? Don't be mean to Switek. <laughs> oh, that hurt. Like, I remember when I watched the episode, I was like, <sighs> more. But Switek still is trying to reach out to him. Don't you think I wanted to roll over when Larry got whacked? Hell, I want to get out of this pit more than anybody. But I'm still here. I just thought you needed somebody to lean on. Fine. Just consider yourself leaned on. Oh, damn. That really hurt because don't make fun of Switek and don't. He's already less attractive. He doesn't have the cool stuff that you guys do. He doesn't get as many scenes, as many lines. And now he's just getting like completely dismissed. So I do feel really bad for Switek in this scene. And I made a gif of Tubbs basically just walks out the door and it's, um, what's that word? Oh my God. I just used it. Swinging. Oh my God. Thank you. The, the door you just like see swinging back and forth as Vitek looks up to say one last thing to Tubbs and he's already out the door. Door is swinging. That is the word. No, there has to be a, there's enough. I will look this up. I will look this up. I'm so sorry. Let's get back to the episode. So. Tubbs goes to a bar. He's talking to the bartender who is wearing a very comical green shoulder padded jacket. Now Tubbs is looking for some green and the bartender rightly does not want to have anything to do with it because it sounds like a setup. Rico, everybody is going to think you're trying to set him up. Kevin, that's why I need your help. You can just, just put the word out. Then I'll have a better chance. 
tell them, tell them that I give back double their juice. They can have it at the end of the month. Hello, I got an ex-cop who wants to borrow. No, I'm not on medication. Jeez. However, the bartender goes to make the call, and it's right at this time, very opportune time, right? Wouldn't you think that McIntyre, yes, remember McIntyre, he comes down to the bar and sits next to Tubbs, starts kind of soft selling him on a way to make a little bit more extra money, get his retirement. Now the bartender comes back, tells Rico that the line is busy. With that, Rico leaves the bar where I do want to point out a few things. There is a beautiful blue silk dress that I really loved. Unfortunately, the lighting is so dark, you can't really see it. Then you have a woman in a brown jumpsuit dancing, and it is pretty funny you could just tell like they've been probably filming this scene like over and over again um but it's just the camera just pans her perfectly i could just see it all now as tubbs leaves the club mcintyre follows him and again you have to look at the decor outside this club where you have all the neon symbols it looks so beautiful however tubbs is incredibly suspicious grabs him holds him at gunpoint and wants to know what's what Nobody's playing. What were you talking about in there? What were you talking I'm about? About retiring in four months with six figures in the bank, okay? Are you lying? I'm not wired. Look, if you're not interested, fine, okay? I'll leave right now. You'll never see me again. I don't know. I can trust you. How can I trust you, huh? Huh? Then McIntyre, you know, after a while, continues on his spiel, suggests that Tubbs could bring his partner in on it. Tubbs shuts that down immediately. So from here on out, Crockett would not be involved. It would just be Tubbs and McIntyre. Now we're back at OCB with a big meeting between Vice and the Special Investigators and Special Investigations Unit. Trudy and Switek both bring up great points. Trudy also looks like a million dollars. Like there's maybe 20 people in this meeting and I'm only focused on Trudy in this like bright royal blue, almost indigo outfit. And yeah, this is Tub, uh, this is Switek's very important point. I realize it's supposed to be business as usual, but are there any special precautions being taken so the county doesn't run out of body bags? Now, what does special investigations have to offer? Well, they're putting people on overnight shifts, which means that they can talk to the bomb squad 24 hours a day. Okay, that's that's great. Then Gina asks what Tubbs' official status is. Castillo says that he is currently suspended pending dismissal. They have brought in another officer who will be identified through Tubbs's badge. So in the meantime, Croc will be working with this new officer. Trudy kind of says what they're all thinking in this next clip. That's nice, huh? Bomb squad gets a little OT and we're walking into booby traps every other warrant. Detective, do you have a comment? No, sir. This is where I would expect Castillo to stand up a little bit more for his team and demand a little bit more from special investigations and from the entire jurisdiction. I don't know why they're not taking this more seriously and just putting extra bomb squads 
But they're not providing, they're just, yeah, they're just providing like a false sense of security. So I don't know why Castillo wasn't standing up. However, McIntyre is going to go meet with a very well-dressed criminal on a boat. McIntyre is going to tell him the good news that he now has a vice cop who can give him files and info, not just search warrants that he was getting before from his girlfriend, Vicky. Now, speaking of Vicky, how does she feel about all this? Hmm, is it only now that she's getting a conscience? I thought the one in Broward was a mistake, but I don't think so anymore. I have no control over these people. The way they do things. I'm not blaming you. They're not Boy Scouts. They're very serious people. But I can't go on like this forever. How would you rather go on living? Would you rather me go out there for some 400 bucks a week? Getting pension in 20 years for some sorry 60%? Or maybe you'd rather see me get buried with a flag on my chest. Is that what you want? I thought you wanted to make it. I do, but there's got to be another way. Then you give it to me. Tell me what to do, because waiting 25 years for a gold watch is not going to make it. If you want something in this life, you got to take it. Nobody gives you nothing. I know that. Nothing's for free. Yes, the worst person you know just made a valid point in that nothing is for free, that if you want something, you have to take it. However, I would hope that they'd have more of a conscience than he does. And the fact is, is this is like Scotty Wheeler on crack. Like this whole plot of where Scotty Wheeler didn't feel as bad because he was just selling information. And that's when Crockett just snaps at him like information well, what do you think information leads to Info- like this <sighs> so at least he's more honest about being a scumbag and selling out his fellow officers and sending them to death i guess what he's expecting is that he will get out soon but like when is enough that's the problem is that you keep moving the goalposts when you have goals like this and she doesn't really have a retort on how to do this ethically. And she knows she's in on it and now she's too deep and she seems like she's going to stick around and that she's going to make it. But this is also a great point that he makes in this next clip. Who knows how many times that tough guy could have bought it working undercover. Then he asks his people for help and what do they do? They suspend him. That's not right. Uh, This is kind of true. It's not right. And I understand that that's just standard procedure. But like the fact that Tubbs is calling out a huge security risk and they end up suspending him because of his actions. I understand that. But like that's the thing is this guy is making sentient valid points just of such an evil two-faced murderous business enterprise like he's doing this and he's putting people he knows in harm's way and he's not just doing this passively he's doing this actively he went to Tubbs in the bar to sell this shtick once he found out that Tubbs was suspended because he knew he had an in so you see someone going through mental health problems who is insecure financially insecure and this is how you prey on them So this is a very well-written character that you have someone who displays such evil and then also displays really logical, valid points, right? Now, just as we talked about this, Tubbs hands a manila envelope over to McIntyre. 
And McIntyre tells them that it's not enough and that he made a deal that they can get the money in one shot. <sighs> oh, man. Again, see, moving the goalpost, moving the goalpost. Oh, well, speaking of more files, now Tubbs is going back to OCB, getting files when he runs into Lou Diamond Phillips. Sorry, Bobby, I'm just going to keep calling him. All my notes say LDP. Like I don't even remember his character's name. He's really flippant about seeing Bobby there. And this is pretty tough because we see Lou Diamond Phillips working. He's trying to find out more about how to catch and prosecute the guys that are responsible for Eddie's death. And then he sees Tubbs looking through files, knowing that he's been suspended. And it's kind of a terse conversation, this next clip. How you handling that? I don't know. I guess it's put me through some changes. Yeah, that's understandable. I hear you're going through some changes, too. Well, nothing I can't handle. You really gonna bag it? Yeah, not a day too soon. What you got there? It's a case file. Someone I gotta sign off. Well, look, before you sign off for good, man, I gotta tell you something. Backing out is a weak play. I think you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, well, who are you to judge me? Teeny Bopper? Trying to cowboy your way up the top of the ladder. Man, I was working the New York streets when you were buying corsages for the prom. Maybe so. But I've been around long enough to scope someone sneaking out the back door. Well, call it anything you like. I've been shot, and I've been let down one too many times. The last thing I need is some punk cop in my face. Yeah. Definitely uh, strong words coming from Bobby and honestly justified. I have a feeling any of us would feel very similar if we're in the same situation. Now, after Tubbs leaves, Diaz goes to the file cabinet, notices that Avila's folder, his jacket, is missing, puts two and two together. And this time, Tubbs calls McIntyre to let him know that he has Avila's file. Not only that, that Vice is going to be doing a bust on the warehouse in the morning. Cut to the morning. McIntyre and Avila stake out the warehouse while Crockett and not Tubbs. Sorry, I forget his name. <laughs> you know, I know I need to get a little bit better, but like sometimes I'm like, do these characters even warrant me to memorize their names? I'm just going to call him not Tubbs. Temporary Tubbs, fill in Tubbs, substitute Tubbs. There we go. Let me rewind this back. Crockett and Substitute Tubbs pull up and they go check out the warehouse. Now, as they're pulling on the door, obviously they have to expect something to be going on. So they're being very careful about it. Crockett's the one who initially pulls, but it's not Crockett that opens the door. Once he opens the door of the warehouse, he is shot in the chest with a shotgun and collapses. Now, I did make a gif of this, and before you think that I am cruelly insensitive, hold on just a minute. This is now the third shooting in two weeks, according to the news. However, once he's in the ambulance, we see some familiar faces. We see Gina, we see Trudy, and we see Substitute Tubbs 
wake up and show that he's wearing a bulletproof vest, which is why I made the gif of him getting shot because it all works out. Now it turns out, luckily Tubbs did not go bad. Tubbs has actually been working with Vice to expose McIntyre to help to get warrants and to figure out where that leak was. Now that he's working with McIntyre, he's hoping that he has enough that he can bust him. So this actually made me feel a lot better because I was watching this entire episode really thinking that Tubbs had gone off to the dark side and it really did hurt. And honestly, Tubbs, let's give credit where credit is due with his acting abilities because I legit thought that he had turned his back. Now, I understand. I'm not sure when this happened because we don't get to see the behind the scenes, you know, manif- ma- oh my God, machinations of this plan. But I'm assuming it was after his freak out at the bank, <laughs> which to be fair, I kind of like the more I watch it over, I'm like, I would also be pissed. But then it's like, OK, put yourself in the person behind the counter shoes. There's not really much they can do. And he still owed money. But let's rewind this back a little bit and actually focus on the story in question. Lou Diamond Phillips, Bobby Diaz, is in his is currently listening to the news about the third cop shooting. Keep in mind, Diaz saw Tubbs yesterday at OCB, did not see him directly pluck Avila's jacket out of the file cabinet, but has put two and two together. So Diaz has no background knowledge that Tubbs is actually working with Vice on this. He thinks Tubbs has gone rogue and that Tubbs is selling out his own. Now, McIntyre calls Tubbs to tell him some not so great news about what's going on. And unfortunately, Tubbs is going to play along in this next clip. Yeah. We're going to talk now. Our deal was for tonight. You bring my money. I know what our deal was. Everything's changed. Nothing's changed, McIntyre. You listen to me. This whole thing is coming together right now. It's on their terms, you understand? We only got one shot of this thing, so you play ball with me and you're going to be out of here with everything you need by this evening, all right? You got to give me more time. I got some other things I got to do. Cancel them. I'm on my way. When everything has changed in a plan like that, that's usually not a good sign. Now, Tubbs is at the payphone making this call to McIntyre while Bobby Diaz, Lou Diamond Phillips, is sitting in his beautiful car. I want to say that I pinpointed this. I think I have it in my notes of what car exactly it is. I want to say it was like a vintage Camaro. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful car. And then as he leaves, he puts on a song that we have definitely heard before. Now, the reason I want to point out this song is because it's the same fake Pat Benatar heartbreaker song from Heart of Darkness, where Tubbs went undercover, wore a wire. This was the song that was emanating and playing out of his wire and almost got him killed. So I just thought it was a very interesting choice to have this song play again. And again, it might not have been like a active decision. It could have just been like, hey, we just need a fake song that's playing on the radio. But I thought that was very interesting because, again, Diaz doesn't know that Tubbs is actually on the good side. Whew. 
Let's go back to OCB where they're discussing on how to get the specific tips and how to pinpoint McIntyre's source. They know McIntyre is dirty, but how do they get the specific source? Now, unfortunately, we are at a little bit of an impasse here. Again, the plan has been changed. Never a good idea when you're dealing with criminals. Now, Tubbs is online too, on the phone. Also, I just love like the first line that Castillo says, so keep an eye out for that. And they're talking with the assistant state attorney about how to proceed. And it looks complicated. You're on the speakerphone uh, in the room with me is Assistant State Attorney Kaplan. He brought some information. McIntyre moved to meet up. He's on his way here right now. Listen, they had to release the warrant last night. There might be a possibility that he knows. Do you think you've been made? I don't think so. Seems like he wanted to talk more business. Tried to put him off, but I thought he might get suspicious. Let Tubbs pop McIntyre, hold him until the backup gets there. Look, if I pop him, his leak is going to dive so deep that we'll never find him. So we'll let McIntyre make a deal. It's the best we got. Forget it. What kind of deal did those dead cops get? No deals. That's what this thing is all about. Lieutenant, even if McIntyre hasn't heard from his source yet, and Tubbs is with him when he finds out, Tubbs is gone, Lieutenant. Gone. He's here, Lieutenant. You're there. It's your call. Just find that leak. Ooh, so there is a lot going on. Crockett has been sent to check up on Tubbs before he meets with McIntyre. However, when Tubbs gets, sorry, when Crockett gets to Tubbs, it's too late. Tubbs is gone from the payphone meeting place. Now, Annette Benning, our little rat, our little snitch, is going through the database and sees McIntyre's arrest warrant. At this time, Tubbs is traveling in the car with McIntyre and Avila. McIntyre gets the call from his source, his lady. Tubbs has been made again while he is in the car. So that's why I did. That's why I think I wrote down the heart of darkness note. I was like, wait, I've uh, I've definitely seen this before. Not a predicament any of us would ever want to be in while in a car. So there is a picture that I put onto the gallery of Tubbs being held at gunpoint in the car by Avila while McIntyre is driving. McIntyre wants Avila to handle this. Now... Zwitek has been able to listen in to McIntyre's car tap. However, at this time, the rest of the vice crew is at Annette Benning's office at the Department of Justice. Zwitek unfortunately has lost his tap on McIntyre's car after Tubbs has been made. Whoo. Annette Benning, however, a snitch and however duplicitous and, uh, I forget the word where you are indirectly responsible for a crime, but it would be a lot cooler if I could say that in the full sentence. But no, I can only think of the description of the word. (laughs) But however she may be, she is no dummy in this next scene. Look, I know my lieutenant's not going to give you a deal up front, but I know if you do anything that could be helpful. I just want my lawyer. She just wants her lawyer. So this is not the person that I want to be agreeing with. But yes, always talk to a lawyer. Don't talk to any law enforcement official without having a lawyer present. 
It's not the person I want to agree with, uh, but uh, <laughs> she is not wrong. Now, this is all going down at the marina where Tubbs is being transported with McIntyre and Avila at gunpoint at this time since he has been made as giving McIntyre up to the authorities. Whew, so <laughs> this is a lot going on. First, we have this song, which is Closer to Heaven by the Alan Parsons Project. Doesn't really fit right now, but it will at the end. Silently Now I've realized as I play the clip of the song for you, there is going to be a lot of the song throughout the next five clips. I did make a lot of dialogue clips this episode. Now, again, Lou Diamond Phillips, Bobby Diaz has been keeping a close eye on Tubbs for everything that he has seen. He has pieced together that Tubbs is the one leaking warrants and info that are getting other cops killed. While we know in our hearts it's not true, Bobby Diaz does not, and he calls Crockett with the information. Crockett, this is Diaz. I found the leak. Where are you? About a mile past Kendall on the intercoastal. It's Tubbs and McIntyre, man. Come and get the bodies. Diaz, what... So, obviously, after getting that call, Crockett is calling in backup. He's racing towards the marina to try to stop this because he knows that Bobby does not know that Tubbs is actually working with Vice to get the leak, not that Tubbs is the leak. So, now Crockett is racing towards the marina, freaking out that Tubbs is either going to be killed by McIntyre or Bobby Diaz after he's been made and after Diaz thinks that he's a dirty cop who is selling information that is getting other cops killed. So this is just a lot of emotion running, running, running. Now, as Crockett pulls up, Lou Diamond Phillips has one last thing to say to Tubbs before he opens fire. You pig! Sometimes I do forget that this is network television in the 1980s. I'm like, I would have picked much stronger words if I had thought what Diaz was thinking at this time. Now, unfortunately, as Diaz is shooting at Tubbs and at one of Avila's goons, McIntyre shoots Diaz just as the sirens are blaring and right as the police boat pulls up. And at this time, McIntyre is surrounded. Who are you kidding? Yeah, that's McIntyre's response when Crockett is trying to reason with him and trying to get him to put down the gun that he's now pointing at his own chest. This is the coward's way out. And he is not going to go out another way. And unfortunately for Crockett, now this is suicide done right in front of Crockett. I don't even know. I think I lost count at like five or six. But unfortunately, this is how it goes. And a little bit of justice for those who have died at McIntyre's hands, but not really. Not really. It is the coward's way out. But 
However, at the end of the day, Diaz, unfortunately, is dead as well. And this is the real sad one because all he wanted to do was avenge his partner. And they couldn't let him know that Tubbs was really working to avenge Eddie. Oh, this one's really tough. This one's really tough. Man, I just can't get used to cops selling each other out. You gotta try and think of it as just another assignment. Because in the end, that's all it is. The world keeps turning. Yeah, maybe. Sometimes I don't know what kind of world I'm protecting anymore. Try and remember. We won this round. Oh, man. And as they wheel Bobby's body with the sheet covering his face, Tubbs gets to do a very sweet thing and puts the gold badge on Bobby's body. Because remember, they were so close. Him and Eddie were so close to getting their badges. That's a really emotional scene. And Tubbs puts it really eloquently in the final scene of this episode. You know the worst part of it? Bobby died thinking I sold him and Eddie out. You have to believe he heard you, man. That's really tough to deal with in that all of his efforts to stop somebody that was responsible for his fellow cop's death. At the end of the day, another cop has died, another young cop with his dreams unfulfilled. But this is... A really nice parting message. For you and Eddie. And that's the end of the episode. And the last freeze frame is just Tubbs looking really pensively off to the side. And that was actually a tough episode, but I thought it was really well done. I, even having to watch it multiple times and knowing what the twist was, I was still very intrigued. And... Yeah, great acting, great cameos, great celebrities. I want definitely one of the better episodes of season three. So let's change things up a bit and let's get to some vice tea. It's been a while. Now, Annette Benning, super baby-faced, if I remember correctly. Sorry, I did the research for this episode like weeks ago and then I did not write it all down. So it's all up in my noggin. I want to say this was either her first television roles or one of her first roles. And I have to say she was really good in it. And they didn't really give her a lot to go off of, but she was able to make the character both likable and very unlikable. Now, you will all know her. Yes, she is an esteemed actress, but she is much more famous for who she is married to. She is the woman that famously took Warren Beatty off the singles route now. I have included some very fun slideshows, pictures of just how insanely handsome Warren Beatty was when he was young. Like, obviously, I've known it. You know, I actually need to go watch some. I need I've had shampoo on my list for like five years and I need to watch it. So basically, it's I believe it's the true story of John Peters, a.k.a. the famous producer, Pamela Anderson's kind of ex-husband, 
super legendary, produced Superman, all that, that he was a hairstylist starting out. And that's how he was able to meet so many women, wink, wink, in the biblical sense, because he was able to cultivate this trusting, caring relationship with them. And, you know, not too many of us are used to straight male hairstylists. So he was very much able to parlay that into being a ladies man. And uh, I do wonder if that later would come back to bite him in the ass professionally, since I'm sure he slept with a lot of wives of famous men that he might have been trying to produce or trying to buy a movie from. So John Peters is quite a character. So and so is Warren Beatty. I remember him also for dating Madonna. I say it's like I remember him like I was maybe two years old when they were dating. So I do remember that was a big thing because he was in the Truth or Dare film <laughs> right like i think madonna was his last famous girlfriend before annette benning and kind of that lore of the ladies man who doesn't want to settle down and then all of a sudden he meets this woman and he does and i want to say that there's a lot about this and i don't really know what to say a lot of women are like, you know, when men just want to get married, they want to get married. And I think it's a lot of different factors. And I think that goes for everybody. It's not just men of just when you want to settle down, you want to settle down. And then people have described it as kind of like a taxi cab. Like once their light is on and they meet the right fare, it's time to go. But you could be driving with that light off and still dating people, but you're not ready to take that next step. And maybe you're just waiting for a promotion. Maybe you're waiting for enough money. There's always some kind of thing that you're waiting for. And if you don't want to get married and nothing is going to change your mind on that, I don't think it's a person thing. But it could be. I don't know. I am not married, so I'm not sure. But there is a lot of discourse about when someone is ready to settle down and that they always point to George Clooney, Warren Beatty as an example of like, he just met the right woman, but like maybe it was kind of like a culmination of things, but I don't think it's on us to feel insecure. If someone doesn't want to get married to us, then just move along. There is plenty of fish out there. Don't be waiting around. Don't be trying to justify it or don't be trying to find reasons why or why it's not happening. But also if you're not going after partners who want to settle down, you cannot make someone change their mind. So I don't know where I was going with that, but please look at the slideshow and see pictures of beautiful Warren Beatty in his prime. And I think he... He said that he never really considered acting. Like, with a face like that, yes, he was a star football player. But, like, you had to have at least thought of modeling. Like, you don't just look like that in middle America. And you're like, this is it. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Like, no, you are meant to get out there and to model. He's so beautiful. Now, Lou Diamond Phillips. So, I knew his first gossip story. I'm sure you all do. He was married to a woman named Julie Cipher. Julie Cipher famously left him. For Melissa Etheridge, then went on to have children fathered by David Crosby to raise with Melissa Etheridge. Now, the reason I've included some articles is that Julie Cipher, after her relationship that yielded children with Melissa Etheridge and went on for many, many, many years, has claimed she is does not identify as a lesbian, which to be fair is her right. But I also don't 
This is tough because you never know. You can't really dictate how somebody identifies. But I also would be a little offended if someone that I was in a relationship with that yielded children is like, no, 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 that was just a blip in the radar. And I think it would kind of be a disservice to Melissa Etheridge. But I also have heard that Melissa Etheridge is not the nicest partner. Um, she was also married to the woman that I loved from Popular. I just totally forgot her name. Uh, she was um, Mary Cherry in Popular. Her mom was Delta Burke. And I love that show so much. It's impossible to find streaming. It was one of Ryan Murphy's, I want to say, his, either his first show or one of his first shows. It predates Nip Tuck. That's how old it is. Um, but I have heard different things about Melissa Etheridge. But all, all in all, I can't really... I am only reading this from gossip. And you're only reading this about people that they have broken up with. So you can't really judge somebody when you're only hearing one side of the story. But yeah, this was a huge scandal in the 90s for Lou Diamonds Phillips' wife to publicly leave him for Melissa Etheridge. And apparently she had never identified or she had never given any reason to think that she was open to that part of her sexuality before, according to Lou Diamond Phillips. So it was a huge shock for him. And I remember he did get made fun of a lot in the press, which is really ultimately not fair. Now, unfortunately, Lou Diamond Phillips also had some negative press where he did have some legal issues with domestic violence. And I was like, oh, I love Lou Diamond Phillips. I don't have to report on this, but obviously I do. I have to provide you with all the gossip I can. So you can always find those in the links, either in the episode description or below the YouTube if you want to read further. More so, I just want you to look at pictures of Warren Beatty when he was young. Now, let's break down the fashion of this episode. Now, there were a lot of looks in this episode, so this is quite hard for me to really pinpoint, but Let's start with the ladies. Resting bitch face. Obviously, I just wanted to give something to Annette Benning, and there's that picture of her smoking the cigarette. I really wanted that to be the cover of the episode, but I was like, how can I not put Lou Diamond Phillips and Edward James Olmos, who start together in Stand and Deliver, how can I not put them together on the cover art? So obviously, I could not do that. So I just wanted to give her some kind of a heads up. Now, Best Dressed Woman, I got Trudy. In this all blue outfit with huge silver earrings at OCB. Everybody is somber. We have substitute tubs looking like a snack in the back, also in a blue top, while they're all meeting, talking about what has been going on. This is after tubs has been suspended. Trudy is just able to brighten up that whole scene. Now, the best dressed woman runner up is the woman at the bar in the silver sequin tank top. And I don't even know how that top is being held up because it doesn't look like it's providing her that much coverage. And she looks like she has some substantial chest on her. But maybe they're putting tape. But that might be a little ouchy. I hope there's a lining underneath that top. Now, I am going to say I did give an honorary mention to Substitute Crockett and... Crockett. Oh my God. So it's new tubs and Crockett for both wearing green at the warehouse scene. And I'm definitely going to vote for my best decor exterior has to go. Has, has, has to go to the glass block with a sparkly design on top of it with a black plastic sign with neon lights. I can't even describe this. Go look at the gallery because this is definitely my decor. But I really wasn't able to pinpoint on a best dressed male for this episode. So I just decided to give it to all the ladies. Now, 
music for this episode. Nothing that really I knew super well. Surprisingly, not a huge Alan Parsons project aficionado here. I never really knew too much about them. I just know what their name was. You know, that's basically what I knew. But opening up, we have Best Adventures by Thinkman. Then we have Money Talks by the Alan Parsons Project. The last one, the cheeser one, was Closer to Heaven by the Alan Parsons Projects. I'm going to give that to Money Talks just because it did kind of fit in with the scene where we have Tubbs looking like he's going dirty and rogue, going after the money. And this is when he pulls the gun on McIntyre in the bar. So that's kind of like one of the most uh, active, high energy scenes of the episode. So I'm going to give it to Money Talks by the Alan Parsons Project. Now it was funny, the guy who plays McIntyre, I was like, he looks very familiar, but not that familiar. I was like, just very much like big character actor energy. And his name is Scott Plank. And then one of his other big roles was in Melrose Place. I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, he does have like that good kind of like nighttime soap opera face. And of course, Vigo Mortensen, baby face. I thought there'd be a lot more gossip on Vigo Mortensen. Um, but I guess he's just uh, just staying handsome and humble. But overall, a great episode. We have a little reunion of Edward James Olmos and Lou Diamond Phillips in San Deliver. If you have not seen that, it's actually based on a real life high school here in Los Angeles in Highland Park. Now, obviously, there are like a little bit of uh, plays with the truth here in the story, but it actually is a very good movie. And again, it's very important for like that 90s Chicano Los Angeles culture. Um, I still have not seen La Familia or The Family that definitely I want to see because that is Isai Morales. That is Jimmy Smith and Edward James almost. The other one that is on my list that I don't know if I want to see is American Me because I've read a lot of negative things about Edward James almost and the making of that movie. I don't really want to say it here. Not that I'm worried about being sued or anything, but just uh, Google it. Google it. Yeah, with a lot of things about J- James Edward almost. Uh, Edward James almost. Just Google it. Uh, maybe I'll have a Patreon just for like extra juicy vice tea as I'm wrapping up season five just for these kind of things so I can at least like release them and having a paywall kind of like just makes things a little bit more laid back. I don't have to freak out as much. Thank you. This episode was quite lengthy. I do apologize because a lot of it is just me rambling. If you cannot tell, I'm a little bit jet lagged. So my mental energy is lobe my physical energy is high and it's not really providing the results that i want but i want to thank you all for listening and for supporting vice and easy again thank you so much for supporting me after my european break in august i do feel much more rejuvenated and much more positive coming back to record and i hope to have some more fun plans episodes gossip all that planned for y'all Again, feel free to like, subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure it's five stars, though, please. It helps other people discover the show. Don't forget, you can always subscribe on YouTube and the podcast platform of your choice. And you can see all the pictures from each and every episode that I include and that I refer to on the podcast at my imager account, Vice and Easy Podcast. And there is a typo in that one. So it's best to go to my link tree. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok. I will be trying to be more active on TikTok in the future. Thank you as always. And I'll see you next week. Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show.